Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Global Geek News Podcast. This is episode number 31 of the Global Geek News Podcast, and this is the biggest Global Geek News Podcast we've ever had. Not only am I alongside my co-host, Wesley Faulkner. How's it going, Wesley? Things are going all right. Awesome. Good to hear. But we also have, virtually via Skype, is Randall Bennett of TechV.com. How's it going, Randall? Hey, doing well. Thanks for letting me be on the show, Jeremy and Wesley. I really appreciate it. Yeah, well, you got to suck up to the boss somehow, you know. Yeah, exactly. The boss that doesn't pay you, unfortunately. I make you work in my sweatshop. So, yeah, yeah that's how it goes now. <laughs> yeah, well, what can I say? I didn't get anything posted today, so I had to do something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and we also have our first return guest this week, Mr. the Internet Music Teacher, Mr. Walt Ribeiro. How's it going, Walt? Hey, man, what's up? I'm the first returning person you ever. You are the first. Wow, okay, cool. All right. Yeah, I didn't know it would work out like that, but yeah, you you are the first one to ever be on here twice. All right, let's do you, it. Let's. I take think it's three. you're you're also the person who wanted to be on it twice. <laughs> you're right, right, right. Yeah. So yeah. like, I'm just like breaking records left and right. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Cool. Okay. I, you know, I aim to please. <laughs> yeah, I, I've there's been people that have said they'll do it more than once, but. You're the only one that's actually been willing to do it more You're than once. You're following through. Yeah, it's the way to do it. I do. So, you know what? That's how. You, that's just how you got to do it. Exactly. Totally. Yeah. Well, for those of you that are listening along, you can also follow along the stories at globalgeeknews.com. And uh, I've got some news about the Global Geek News blog coming up. I'll cover that at the end of the show. But let's go ahead and get right into the stories. I'm being called away. So, Wesley, why don't you go ahead and start off the first story there? All right. The first one is Dig Bar commits career suicide. Uh, they start redirecting to the Dig homepage. So, apparently, the gist of the story is that um, there are URL shorteners all over Twitter and different services, and uh, they sh- they kind of hide the the length of the, the URL. So when you click on it, uh, it goes to some unknown redirect. So Dig has one, and it instead of going directly to the story, if you're not logged on to Dig, it'll take you straight to the comments. So uh, more uh, more clicks go to their website, and so the actual redirections, the story that's redirected to. It's really weird. I mean, if you look at this whole situation, they started out as selling Dig, not only, of course, everyone knows and loves Dig as a social bookmarking site of choice, and you know, of course, they've kind of built up their reputation over the last couple of years. I think they've been around for almost five years now. Yeah, uh, but, five. You know, the, this situation is kind of interesting because it's almost like they, you know, I feel like someone in the background just decided one day, like, you know, we could get a lot more page views if we just made people come back to our site. So they just flipped the switch on this one thing. A lot of people had complained, of course, when the service originally came out, that it framed your site, so you had this bar at the top that, uh, you know, it's the infamous dig bar where you could dig a story, send it to other people, and people like Engadget, Joshua Topolsky over there was really frustrated because, you know, they thought that it was unfairly uh, framing the site, as it were. And so I guess maybe Dig has said, you know, now we're going to take it to a whole new level and just point it back to our site. I don't know. I think it's something that they're going to get a lot of flack over if they haven't already. And, I, I mean, it's obviously... Kevin Rose and company are going to be working behind the scenes to make sure that this is what they really want to do and that, you know, they, this isn't just some engineer in the background accidentally flipping the switch. 
Yeah, there's a, so controversy here whether or not Kevin was in the loop because he's been on vacation in China on a, his tea trip, and uh, <laughs> he says that he wasn't uh, aware that this went live. So uh, I wonder if this is showing uh, about how little involvement he has for day-to-day operations, or um, maybe he did, he didn't say, hey, this is a bad decision. I think maybe he's a little bit out of the loop, and he's trying yeah. to figure out what's going on himself. Now, do you think that something like this is enough to like really put a, put like a damage on like the brand? I I mean I don't really think like I think that like when people try things like this like with Facebook with, with like your new terms of service, all these things are are experimental because the internet is so young. Um, like I think that like they're almost just like trying to feel out the audience and see like what's controversial and what's not. You know what I mean? Just kind of feel it out for a little bit. Well, even well, more to not- the point, it's, it seems like they you know. They're trying to figure out if this is the best user experience, you know? Like, I really don't see this as, you know, people who are clicking on dig URLs expecting these short URLs. Of course, it's going to be frustrating. But maybe, you know, they decide that these short URLs taking people to the comments page is really what people would want anyway. I mean, I I, I don't think this is like a brand ender by any stretch of the imagination. It's just something that I wish they would have thought through more uh, in public, I guess you could say. Maybe kept people in the loop a little bit better, so not just a you know complete switch overnight when you have a social uh, you know user base who's expecting your service to work a certain way. Uh, the, the way I've been looking at this, I mean, at first I when I saw this, it's like, oh no, this is a horrible idea. But the more I think about it, I actually think that this could be a good thing for the user because on Dig, there's a whole lot more comments on Dig than people tend to get on their blog posts and stuff. So if they tend to see these comments beforehand and everything, they there's a lot more interaction and information that can be exchanged alongside the actual story itself. Yeah, but I mean, I'm less, I'm less stoked on the comments on Dig, though. I feel like the level of discourse is so low that, like, the value add is really, you get to the Dig website, they serve you a banner, and, like, then you uh-huh. click through to the website. I really don't think the, like, adding, I mean, the comments all, you know, when I use Dig, I'll, like, scroll through quickly and, like, like breeze through the headlines of what each comment says, but I don't really find that like it's this extra value add that is really you know giving Dig this like cutting edge. Well, there's you know? there are no slash dot comments by any means, that's for sure. <laughs> well, I personally, and you know maybe this is just me. I don't think it's that huge of a deal. Like I don't think it's a like maybe because I'm already a like registered user of Dig, you know. So in that sense, I it it, it doesn't affect me any bit, but. I mean, but that's me. It's like I don't think I don't think it's a huge deal. And Dig has yet to make a profit. And if this is going to create more money for them and find a way to like draw revenue and more page views and grow the brand, uh, even if they're going to you know make some pe- some people mad, I don't think it's like a horrible thing. But I don't know. But, I mean, yeah, I just it, thro- it throws it out of proportion. Like some people, yeah. you 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 pay for a service or you don't pay for it and you get it, you expect some sort of ads. But in this space, as in URL shorteners and redirectors, no nobody else does this. So what is the value yeah. add for the person who uses the dig bar? That's the I real thing. Like I think that it's kind of a bait and switch. And I don't think that it's like like I don't again not a brand problem, not a you know it's really just limited to expectation of users being flipped so quickly, right? Like, I mean, you know, when I was seeing dig links on Twitter, I'm clicking on them expecting to go to the actual page, you know, maybe with a frame or whatever, but I'm not expecting to just go to, like, a dig homepage. And if that, again, like, if that's the user expectation they want to set, totally cool. They should probably just, like, 
give everyone a heads up so that it's not just this like, oh, hey, surprise, like, you're not going to dig.com. So, now, yeah. that's one of the things that amazes me is that they didn't announce this. They didn't do a blog post about it or anything. It was just turned on. It just happened. Yeah, just that's kind of stupid, right? Yeah, they're pro- they're usually good at that. So that maybe it points to he said he had no idea it went live. So maybe someone went rogue or they just flipped <laughs> it off on accident. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see as details kind of come out, like what's what actually is going on. Well, at least with Comcast, they're doing a trial period of the stuff that they're rolling out. That being a new DNS redirection service. That this one. This came across, uh, I guess it was back on the 9th that this happened, and essentially what it is is they're taking what would normally be a 404 page not found error that your browser would handle. Well, if you're using Comcast's DNS service, instead they're going to take it, send you to a page that will suggest what URL you're looking for, but also display a bunch of ads. Yeah, so they're not the first people to do this, like, Roadrunner has done this for years. Earthlink has done this for years. Like, there's been a lot of. I mean, right now, like my, you know, I use OpenDNS, so I'm not actually subject to this for the most part. But like, you know, if I just plug, you know, on my iPod Touch, this t- fr- frequently happens. I'll just go to a website, and if I type it in wrong, because you know I can't use the iPod Touch keyboard properly, you know, I get this error page. It's kind of like a search results thing. I think it's most annoying for people who rely on these DNS servers to provide like real 404 errors and like proper I mean proper like DNS errors instead of just like you know you end up getting redirected to like a URL or whatever I, I kind of am like I mean I think it's annoying as a as a really geeky person but I also know that I can use open DNS to turn it off so like I don't really find that it's as huge of a deal as it was like a couple years ago so yeah I use open DNS as well so at least I don't have to deal with this unless open DNS fails then I have Comcast set as my backup but yeah. it, it just feels kind of cheesy the way that they're doing this I mean there's been several services that have done this in the past that have failed DSL extreme did it and the user backlash backlash was huge so that failed then I believe Verisign even tried it, and they failed too. Yeah, Verisign was a lot bigger deal to me because it was like, it wasn't just like your ISP; it was like internet wide. Like, right? You would, sure. do like, you would do the wrong thing. It was like a big freaking deal. So. Didn't didn't uh, Verisign also offer to sell the domain? Yeah, I feel like they did. I feel like that you could. I could. I can't remember the whole story. I just remember it was so like, I mean, every time some company does this, it's obviously a grab for cash. And like mm-hmm. a super quick grab for cash at that, and like you know, fine, make your money however you want. But like when Verisign, a company who you're supposed to trust, does this, it was so like <laughs> shady. It just felt so cheap and cheesy. I don't know. Well, on a lot of people, the average person doesn't know how to go in and change their DNS to something like Open DNS. So for a lot of people, they're pretty much stuck with this. I I mean, I believe there's a they're not gonna have. They're not gonna have as many problems though. If you look at like, you know, they'll just get redirected to some search results page that's useless. But they won't have like, you know, like wh- when it gets annoying is if you have a router that's expecting to like send an email to someone, and instead of bouncing right, it goes to like Roadrunner, mm-hmm. and then it'll send it to their postmaster or whatever. So it's like really geeky level like slash dot esque as your link mm-hmm. is. It's kind of like the slash dot people who really care about this because it's so like. You know, for regular users, they're not going to be as like distraught over it. It's just kind of, you know, a, more search ads that they can keep ignoring. So, 
<laughs> I have a quick question. Yes. Sorry, Walt. Go ahead. No, uh, I was saying yes to the question, but uh, you know, okay. okay, shoot. Uh, will this break IE? Because usually when you do a bogus page, IE will redirect you to their search engine, which is Bing right now. Um, yeah, it, it won't. It'll override that because it'll be like, like the the error code that it's going to throw back is not going to be a DNS error code. It's going to be like, like a four. It's going to send you to another the, uh, their link farm. Yeah, exactly. It'll send you to like Comcast.ilikemoney.com or whatever, and they'll have some sort of like 404 that they send back. So IE will just think it's like a 404, which is where like nerds start flipping out, right? Because like it's not giving you the right error code and like, right. you know, it's not giving you the right page and blah, blah, blah. So yeah. Well, I just said it's going to still, some people use IE that way. Like they don't yeah. know how to search the internet, so they just type it in and then it takes it to the search place where they it's expect true. to see cats. So it's going to still traffic <laughs> from Google, it's going to uh, still traffic from Bing and it's 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 going to be the default search engine for basically anyone on Comcast who doesn't know how to use the internet. Anyone on IE6, like if you're on IE6 and you do this, like, or does IE6 even return that Bing search result though? I feel like it I'm not does. sure if six does, but I think seven and eight. Do. Seven seven does for sure. If you're yeah. on six, you still you've got issues. Yeah, exactly. You got viruses, you mean? <laughs> Those two. This DNS problem is the least of your worries. Dude, I, I I am so not the guy to talk about like DNS servers and stuff. Like I'm like sitting here just like, man. See, like, that's what I'm saying though, right? Like, no, well, right. Like, and like there. and like I'm pretty like internet savvy in terms of like marketing and stuff. But I wouldn't even know how to change like my DNS server. Like if I had to, like all I know is that you know it's like, I mean for me I have Time Warner, and when I get uh, like a wrong like domain name or something, like a bunch of like Time Warner ads will show up and stuff. But I tend not to really think about that for you, though. How annoying, like, on a scale of 1 to 10, do you find that to be, like, the worst thing in the world? Or is that more just, like, you know, I'll deal with it, whatever? It's so, it, 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 like, it's the same thing of, like, of, like, what people joke about of, like, I don't click on the Facebook ads, you know? Like, I don't click on this stuff. And, you know, I mean, if you want to count me as a user impression, that's cool. But it's not, like, an inter exactly. you know, it's not, like in, like, in, like, a very interactive experience, you know? So I mean, you're, just, I'm, you're just numb to it. You're like, oh, I know I did something wrong. Let me try. To so it. so numb like that. Like that. When I see that ad, like that ad page, that to me is like an error 404 page to me. Like I yeah, mean, that, yeah. and so I just I just click out of it. Yeah, it's it's kind so, of that, and I don't know that like, you know, from an advertiser's perspective, I don't know too many brands that are going to be like stoked on being like Comcast default. Like you don't have to search <laughs> right, the internet right. fail. You know, like yeah. Well, as a tech-savvy tech person, I would say I would agree with you, but, you know, there, I think that study came out last week about spam and the click-through on those, yeah, and true. there and was, was a like, percentage that says that people just clicked on them just because. Yeah. I mean, that's those, those, I guess that's the thing you're going for, is, like, lowest common denominator, so you end up getting, like, those really great uh, MMO RPG ads with like the boobs and like you know whatever. I guess you get yeah. those ads. <laughs> and now it's it's probably going to escalate. Now they're going to have video ads on their default uh, and say, "Hey, click me." I mean, they're probably if this catches on, they're going to say, "This is our new cash cow, cash cow," <laughs> and and just keep pumping up the ads. Just like uh, what is it, eWeek? Like when you click on it initially, you have this full screen ad that you can't click through for 15 seconds. Yeah, it, it, people are getting really annoying with the advertising, and if they feel that it's effective, this could be their new model. Uh, I would opt in for this if they said free internet. Yeah, th I mean that's the thing is they're they're always like, 
looking at ways to extract money. But like cable companies have a huge like treasure trove of like user audience data, right? Like so there's this and then there's like if you look at even just like cable box, right? They actually know all the shows you're watching and they don't do anything with that data. If they're like, hey, we give you a free DVR if you let us give your data to the networks, like, go for it, you know? Like, find ways to, like, be on my team and not just, yeah. like, throw useless ads at me, you know? Right. This reminds me of, uh, do you remember uh, Net Zero when they first started? The first page when you dialed in was all ads? Or was I the only, am, am I dating myself here? Yeah, I, mean, anyway. I don't think I've ever used Net Zero, but... <laughs> yeah, yeah. I yeah. think Juno was like totally that, too, if that. I remember right. yeah. A lot of the free internet services, you would dial in, and then it would pop up IE with all these ads, uh, with the weather tiger? and like the news and stuff like that, and that's how they made their money. And this sounds like it's it's uh, the ISPs are starting where uh, going back to where they started. Well, when they announced they when this news broke, uh, Comcast Bonnie on Twitter came on and said that she was going to have a chat on her blog or whatever with the DNS guy at Comcast that came up with all this, and apparently this is basically their step in making this kind of like an industry standard and saying these are the best practices to do this by so that other people can follow their examples. And there are some rules and stuff that will allow this not to work. I mean, there is an opt-out page for those that want to opt-out. And Yeah, and right. <laughs> you, need, you need to check your MAC address, though, right? Like, it's not just like a simple opt-out. I'm, yeah. I'm not sure. I didn't. I didn't look yeah. into it. It says you need the cable mode. You need the cable mode MAC address and your customer number, and then you need to fill out the. And form. your social security number. And exactly. Your like yeah. seven, seven forms of ID, and yeah. your mother. Needs and to that's be... if you know to opt out. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. and the only way this works is if you hit www, the domain, and then a .com or .net or whatever. If you leave off the www or whatever, this won't work. What? Oh, that's nice. At least there's something that's like, yeah. yeah. They're at least they're not everywhere on the yeah. internet. So. Oh, I I don't. Did need... that Comcast Bonnie send out a bad URL so people can click on it and so they can get more hits? <laughs> no, although in the chat room it turned it pretty much into a great big Comcast hate fest. I they were. Yeah. As as usually happens. Right? Yeah, myself and others were pretty much raking him over the coals for everything from this to bandwidth caps to you name it. Yeah. Well, let's move on to the next time before Walt falls asleep. No, no, no. <laughs> like, I'm here. I just don't. I don't know what to say about DNS stuff. I'm just like, dude. <laughs> all right, cool. You know. All right. What about video games? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm kidding. Um, yeah, man. What about him? Uh, well, uh, apparently, someone uh, has an Xbox 360, and they saw that they're starting to get ads on their dashboard of their Xbox 360. I like. I like this story actually. You all right? Tell us. Tell us about it. I think it's. I think it's awesome. I think it's really good because it's funny. Like. Me from a, from a marketing perspective, like I make my entire living from my online marketing, you know. So, but the way that you do it successfully is that you make it a very targeted audience. So, like if I'm uh, playing We Fit and I, and my goal is to lose ten pounds in the next week or two weeks or something, if I'm going to see an advertisement in the middle of my game, Kentucky um, Fried Chicken. No, like for like Subway, save two bucks at all my next purchase of a healthy meal or something. Like that's an invited advertisement. But now if I'm playing the Wii Fit 
and I see an advertisement for like um, I don't know, like to buy a new guitar or something. Like that's not really a targeted audience, so it's it's going to feel like spam, you know. Well, that's um, kind of like that's kind of some of the problems with these Xbox 360 dashboard ads. I don't know if you've seen like there's a flash movie you can check out, but basically as you start scrolling through your Xbox, you you know there's all these different channels. And Xbox Live has all these different uh, options available. And, you know, I'm just going to click play on this YouTube video and check it out really quick. But they, you know, they have these little meerkats who are, you know, like saying there's news and information and all these different things available. And it's, you know, it's for this advertiser or for this cell phone provider, TELUS. So there's sound and it's kind of like this unexpected, like, not quite an interruption because it's not the first option. It's kind of a second or a third, so you have to scroll over to it. You see it's a movie. But I, don't, I mean, I think that it's not, like, it's not completely elegant, but it's also not completely, like, incendiary either. Like, you don't get angry because, like, there's a movie playing second or third, like, click down from you, right? Like, it's just kind of, like, there. And, you know, like, whatever. I mean, it's not, to me, again, not the end of the world. Just kind of, like, an interesting step towards that stuff. I guess... A lot of people in the comments of Rikus Moto are like freaking out. They're like, oh, this is so annoying. Like, I pay for Xbox Live and I pay for Netflix and I still have to see these ads. It's like, I mean, I can appreciate that a little bit, but at the same time, it's like they're not, you know, punching you in the face with some annoying well, you know, sound right away or whatever. I think if they're going to start showing advertisement, they should aim for advertisements that target that demographic more specifically. Uh, like, maybe trailers for video games, maybe or for movies, or stuff that are in that genre, and then ease into this. Um, well, I think, I, I, think, I think that's their goal, eventually. I mean, I, I think that any, um, that any advertiser wants a very targeted demographic, just in, in, just in general. At least that's what I'm thinking. I mean... Yeah, unless, I mean, the hard oh. part is, though, with, with an ad like this, you know, it is possible to target, but it's like, the experience that you're getting into isn't a targeted one by nature. This is just like the dashboard of the Xbox 360. So like when you turn on your Xbox, it's just the first, you know, screen that you see. So it's not inherently this, you know, magical, you're not doing something that's targeted. You're getting ready to go do something else. And so it's kind of hard to, I mean, they can target it with games you've played, I'm sure. And they can probably target it with apps you have installed. And like, you know, if, if you have an Xbox profile, they could say like your likes and dislikes and the clothes you wear on your avatar, but it's not, you know, like you're saying that in that we fit example earlier. While it was like a perfect, that's like a great example of something that, as a user, I wouldn't feel frustrated by, right? Like if I'm trying to lose weight and someone's like, "Hey, lose weight easier by using Nutrisystem or eating Subway or whatever," you know, like sweet. But like, I don't know. I think this is walking that line of like almost being kind of annoying without. You know, punching you in the face with it. So. Well, Xbox Live, or well, ever since they've pretty much gotten the NXE, the next Xbox experience going, it's basically been primarily ads. I mean, if you, I've got my 360 on right now, and if I go into the spotlight, and, or if I go under the video marketplace or whatever, I basically see ads for games that they have on Xbox Live or movies. But those are, yeah. those feel more they're static they weren't they weren't like movies playing sound right, right? like that was like kind of the, the thing that people are freaking right. out the about. only thing that really moves I is mean, the background for um one versus 100 and that's just a little <laughs> different like 
like yeah. I mean, just just like think think of how far you can freaking take this thing though. I mean, think for a minute of how Microsoft has a two percent stake in Facebook and how Facebook has extremely targeted ads the second that that you sign in. So if they do like Facebook Connect with the Xbox Live and then all the advertisers that you see are maybe like you did like a Google search for buying a new pair of pants that day and then it's like later on that night when you're playing Xbox you see a targeted ad for the for these exact pants that you were thinking about buying or maybe you know there's like a recommendation from your friend or something you know like hey Becky wears these shoes <laughs> you should check them out or something you know I mean just like yeah. I mean there's so much and then you get into like 3D advertisements and things I I don't know. I I just think that like I think in like a couple of years like there's a lot that I think it could be really targeted and actually pretty fun. Uh, but yeah. I don't know. I think some people get freaked out by that whole concept of like you know if I'm playing my Xbox like I don't want people to know that I was Google searching about you know mythical creatures and it turns out I'm actually really into like I don't know some random some random scheme and then you get a targeted ad in a completely different experience for that. I actually don't feel that like violated. Like some people, you know, feel this is awful. I kind of just feel like at least it's something that I care about instead of just like, you know, some ad for like a woman product that I have no attachment to, you know? <laughs> well, there's just there's one easy fix. Just make it an opt-in or opt-out model yeah, or I guess. Uh, and just let people choose not to do it if they don't want to. Yeah. And I think that just solves the whole debate on either end. It's true. But also, I mean, you got to think about parents who don't want their kids just being exposed to advertisements, period. Um, mm. I know that's... Uh, there was I a call study those parents done. pusses. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I know there was an, a study done about, uh, I think they said like four or five-year-olds when they were watching cartoons, that they couldn't tell the difference between where the cartoon ended and when the commercial started. And they yeah. just thought it was part of the programming. Um, but when someone has like an Xbox, they think, oh yeah, they're just playing with their friends. Of course, their friends are saying all kinds of lewd things, but either way, um, they don't know basically that the the some of the content is so dynamic and like advertisement. Advertising. And, yeah. and maybe they don't. Maybe there's this thought that uh, it was uh, they bought this box. It's sealed, and I buy the game. They can play the game. That's it. And they're not taking into account that uh, they're being exposed to. They're being sold to basically. Yeah. They can figure that out hopefully. <laughs> yeah. As I said, fi fix it with an opt-in, opt-out model. Yeah. See, I I honestly view no ads, I and mean, I use ad block on all my brow or some form of ad blocking on all my browsers, so I never view any ads online. And like when I'm watching TV, I'm generally watching at least I'm usually watching at least two things at once. So I'm if one if commercials come on one, I flip over to the other, and it's no big deal. And even when I'm not, I just hit mute during the commercials, and I go online for the next three minutes and, and then I go back I, I don't even know the last time I actually saw a full commercial I know what, it's on if you what, go to TechV TechV has <laughs> ads built in so you have to watch them no, I'm, just <laughs> I'm just saying that's why they're doing this Yeah. because of people like you yeah unfortunately yeah. but anyway speaking of alternative business models um, speaking of getting stuff for free yeah. Well, apparently Kazaa has decided to go legitimate and become a subscription music service to allow unlimited music downloads for, I believe it's like nineteen ninety-five a month, and this is kind of their way of hopefully competing with iTunes, who Apple still doesn't want to launch any kind of subscription model. 
So I had known about the story for the past, I think, year. I actually read this when it, when it first kind of like broke all on like the underground. Hmm. But no one seems to care about that. Okay, so so anyway. <laughs> well, no. So what's your take though? I mean, what do you think? Like, do you think that this is gonna work? Nope. I think it sucks. Why? What sucks about it? Um, I think I, I, I think it's awesome. Uh, I would I would I, I would have to know more. I mean, there's no like there's no DRM, right? Mm, uh, I don't believe so. Because so. if there's DRM, then you can just throw. Well, it I mean, if it's if it's subscriptions, though, I'm sure that it's gonna. I mean, I I can't imagine that there would just be like unlimited, you know, no DRM subscription service. Like that just doesn't seem to work to me. But I don't know. Yeah. Well. Well, I, yeah, I just think that DRM is not the way to go about doing it, but. Well, yeah, I mean, so here's the thing with me. Like, I think Kazaa's idea of going legit is fine. I really feel like these um, music download services have never worked, though. I feel like we've had Zune Pass, we've had Napster in, like, four different iterations, and we've had, uh, let's see, Plays for Sure, uh, you know, Rhapsody, uh, MTV had Urge, like I, I mean that that's off the top of my head, right? Spiral Frog, like there's another one. I can just like throw e out all of these, the e music, exactly. I can throw out all these subscription-based music services, and they simply just can't get enough traction because you can't play them on the iPod, right? Like that's a big problem with DRM, like you're saying. But the other problem is like consumers are finding out that their iPhones, which are connected to the internet, can use Pandora, and they're a lot of people are enjoying Pandora or even traditional radio stations like what you know I, I happen to listen to Seattle's 1077 the end because I find it like I like the way their music selection is like they are great at being a DJ whereas like I can't get the same quality out of Pandora or my iTunes right so I, I think people are starting to discover that they would rather stream higher quality music right like near mp3 quality than download it because like it's free and sure it's ad supported but like you know, 20 bucks a month for unlimited DRM tracks that you can't play in your iPod versus, like, streamed over the air, over the internet for free, like, it's pretty much a no-brainer, right? I think these subscription services haven't ever worked, and, you know, congrats to whoever bought the Kazaa brand thinking, like, oh my gosh, I'm such, this is the best business move ever, I'm so smart. But really, like, seriously, give up subscriptions, it's not going to work. I, I, I got to say that I, I, I am... Think this business model is flawed from the get-go, because they bought the Kazaa name and they are trying to relaunch it as a pay service. So there's two people who know about Kazaa, the the people who know about it and don't use it, and the people who know about it and do use it. The people who know about it and do use it, they're not going to pay for this service because they know that they they're going to have to pay where they got it free. And the people who know about it and don't use it have that bad reputation of Kazaa, oh, it's that pirate site, and they're not going to use it. And, th and then there's this third group who's never heard of it, and how are you going to reach out to those people and explain what Well, and, is? like, why even, why even bother buying the brand at that point? It's exactly. Like buy, the brand buy the Kazaa brand to, like, you know, reach out to pirates. You don't buy the Kazaa brand to, like, reach out to, like, no-name, you know, I've never used computers before, whatever. Exactly. And, and pirates are not going to use it because they're pirates. So it's well, just a waste of their money. The reason why I've never used Zune or anything was for a couple of reasons. One is because I hate Microsoft, okay? And I'm not even, I don't even hate Microsoft because I'm like an Apple fanboy. I do have all Apple products, 
but it has nothing to do with the fact that like I'm crazy about them. I just Apple just has the best user experience. So th- that's the second reason. It's like Apple just gets it. So um, you know the way that you make money on the software is to lose money on the hardware. So Apple loses money on every single one of their hardware products. So that's Ooh, their loss. I leader. disagree with you on that one, but continue. Oh well, I mean like that, like hey, the iPod. Lose money. The iPhone, they you know, like they're losing money. No, the, um, they're actually making like those margin, like not to total, like, but those margins on the iPhone are actually huge. Like they actually make like forty eight percent profit on the iPhone. <laughs> so they make like a ton of money on these devices. I think you're right though that 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 user experience is really like the key, and the software being on point is really why people keep coming back to them. Like that's right. why you know. Yeah, I mean they. They just get it. I mean, I don't know like how to say it. It's like, I mean, if you've ever used like the Verizon Dare or like the Samsung <laughs> Touch One or like the BlackBerry Storm, or like any of these any of these marketplaces, right? Like the Zoom Marketplace or like you know Napster to go or any like Rhapsody or eMusic or any of these other awful services. They don't work as well as the iTunes experience. As the yeah. one person here that owns both a Zoom and an iPod Touch, when it comes not the one person. Oh, I also do you? Own well, when it yeah. comes to the Zoom Marketplace, I, <laughs> I enjoy the Zoom Marketplace more than I do iTunes. But but if you just... cancel your subscription, then you don't own the music any, anymore, right? True, although I believe you keep like 10 songs a month. But yeah. Yeah, the Zoom, Zoom Marketplace works now where you get like 10 songs. You pay like 10 bucks a month. You get 10 songs to keep, and then you get subscriptions on top of uh-huh. it. So they try to say that like, oh, well, if you're going to buy 10 songs a month anyway... Like it's a good deal, whatever. I'm like, don't. Buy, I mean, I don't use Zoom Marketplace because I don't pay that much for music, so <laughs> I'll just leave it there. Well, well the problem with this Kazaa thing is right now they've got a big black eye in the way that Napster had a big black eye, and that Jamie Thomas just was apparently using them and just got sued for 1.9 million dollars or whatever it was. So. Yeah. When you ha- have that, that's pretty much t- overtaken the news. It- it's kind of hard to shake that off. Why? Yeah. Why? Why did, did Why did he get sued for one point nine million? Well, so th- that she she was one of those people who got nasty ground by the RIAA, and uh, oh. she got like sued. For, the, re- the recording industry basically sued her for distributing like you know hundreds of songs or whatever. And then instead of settling, she basically fought it all the way as far as she could. And lost like a summary judgment, and then a regular judgment, and then another judgment, and uh, now she owes like millions of dollars for like three hundred songs, which is. Great. I thought it was just a couple dozen songs. I, I think they were, um, charging like yeah, eighty thousand like dollars per song from this latest judgment. <laughs> it's great. Yeah. I, I want to talk to about to Walt, go back to Walt's point. Uh, I I totally agree with what you were saying about you're saying it's the user experience. So you can't just offer the software, you can't just offer the songs, you have to offer both and have a suite and be able to sync it up to some sort of portable device. Um, so if Kazaa maybe made a plug-in for like Songbird or some of these other players that do the whole package, I think that will help round their strategy out. You know what though, it's nev- let's be honest though, like, it's never going to happen. Like That would be like a hypothetical like maybe, but like even then... But think about this, it. If they if they bundled all... it with like Sansa, then... I mean, even then though, like if they bundled it with Sansa, they would be Rhapsody, right? Like they would be like seven other companies who've already tried this. It's just like, right. you know, like 
so many people are like, well, you could bundle X with Y, and it's still not X with an iPod, right? Like, you're still not on an iPod. You're still not on the most popular music player around. So it's still, like, a non-starter for, like, 90% of the population. So True. The yeah. 90% in certain countries. I mean, if this was a foreign play, I think they could really have some headroom. They could really make some headroom. Uh, yeah. If every single cheap uh, Chinese MP4 manufacturer could... Bungle, bungle signed there. up, signed up with DRM. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like, signed up to like work with these people. I don't know. It's it, such a, it's such a hard like. It, I just don't see any way that they could actually like get on board with any with like a real any real situation where this would work. You know. Okay, so. you win. You convince me. They're they're gonna fail. <laughs> Next story. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, the next story has been huge over the weekend, I think this came out on Friday, where Amazon went through and for everybody, as far as I understand, they can't do this unless you got the wireless turned on, but for everybody had, that had the wireless WhisperNet turned on on their Kindles, they had their copies of 1984 and Animal Farm deleted. How, is this like someone slapping someone in the face with irony? Like, <laughs> like you're going to go and like delete 1984 from someone's Kindle because there was a rights problem, like Big Brother, you know, like, it's like, I don't know, the biggest heaping help of irony I've ever heard. Well, supposedly the story behind this is that apparently whoever had these two books listed on the Amazon Kindle didn't own the rights to them, so when Amazon found out they didn't own the rights, they pulled, they not only pulled it from the Kindle store, they pulled it from everybody's devices and just as a way of saying we're sorry or whatever they without saying anything at all they just um, credited everybody some whatever they the purchase price of the books was to their account now, just... now did they not have the rights or did the publisher choose to revoke Amazon's right to distribute well they had the rights in Canada not in the US that was the um... whole deal so it was like they thought they had the rights they actually didn't it's just like yeah for I, I believe night for 1984, whoever has the rights has it listed on the Amazon Kindle, although I don't believe Animal Farm is uh, listed on the Kindle legitimately. Yeah, it's just ridiculous. I don't know. Rights make but, me kind of go crazy a little bit. So then, like, so then, like, what's stopping Apple from doing that with, like, their app store, you know? Like, I mean, like, at what point does stuff that I buy, is it ever mine? Like, that's why I, I don't like DRM. It's scary, know? right? It's scary. I mean that's well, it. like you. That's totally a valid point because if you look at the app store, like, what if all of a sudden there's a pirated something and you've bought this thing? Not, I mean, you're not buying it because it's pirated, right? Like you're buying it because it's in Apple's approved app store, and all of a sudden they're like, well, this, you know, say you're relying on it for like a mission critical business purpose. I don't know what that would be, but like, you know, say you bought some health software and you're a doctor, right? And you're using this and it costs a thousand bucks. All of a sudden they're going to be like. Oh well, so you don't have the rights to use that. Uh, we've taken it back and credited your bank account, and you're like, "But I was like expecting to use this because I bought it." <laughs> you know, like and they're like, "No, no, you know, it doesn't work like that anymore." Like, <laughs> you didn't oh. actually buy it. Well, yeah, I, <laughs> technically licensed it, and yeah, it's just ridiculous. yeah. I heard a story today of a student that had one of these two books on their Kindle, and they were using it to do like their English homework or whatever as to where yeah, in exactly. the Kindle they had all of their notes and everything for it 
And when Kindle deleted the books, all of his notes and everything went bye-bye with it. And, well, and Amazon has said that they're not going to do this again. So oh, like, I would kill myself if that if that was me. It would be so awful, right? Like, that would just be the worst. Yeah. Dude, <laughs> yeah. that that's the story. The story isn't about the Kindle 1984. That, to me, is a bigger story about this kid's homework getting chew, chewed up. Yeah, it's the worst. I think that's like a more. I think that story kicks ass. I think it's awesome. Yeah, yeah like, it's in crazy. a bad way. I think it's like <laughs> it's the most uh, awful, awesome story ever. Yeah, <laughs> right. Amazon, exactly. Amazon should just send send them, send paperbacks to everybody who purchased it. <laughs> exactly. They're like, yeah. turns out we actually had all these extra ones. Here you go. I just saw the Kindle for the first time in my life two weeks ago, and it was uh, pretty impressive. I'm not gonna lie. Love it or you thing, hate it. Thing, the thing was big as hell, though. I would, I would never carry well, it. I, I have a Kindle. I've owned a Kindle for several months, and I absolutely love it. I mean, I oh, kind of... I People love it, yeah. There's no question. I like the... You know, the screen looks nice, and I could totally picture myself, like, on the subway, like, doing whatever, you know, going to work, reading a Kindle. But, like, I just feel so... Like, there's just something about having a book, like... I have I do Kindle on my iPod Touch, mm-hmm. and you know it's nice. It's but like realistically, I do it because I can buy the book for cheaper than I can buy a paperback. But I would totally rather just have a paperback. You know, like I don't know. that's just me. Yeah. You're so like artistic, like like the book makes me <laughs> feel as though I'm flying in a deep sea of green. It's the paper. It love. smells. It smells good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It gives me it gives me good emotions. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The paper takes me away to a far place, you know. Yeah. Like, it's awesome. I also do that while I'm like jamming out to my LPs and I'm rocking my Chuck Taylors because <laughs> I think those are the best things in the world. Anything, anything old is better than anything new. So, every time I picture you, Randall, though, I only <laughs> see you in your jacket. <laughs> I have a suit coat, but it's a vintage suit coat. No. He sent, he sends you like that. Like that he follows up tomorrow and sends like instead of like, in, like just instead of like Twitter DMing you, he sends you like a pigeon with like a, you yeah, know, I, with like a carrier note. pigeons only. Carrier pigeons <laughs> are the new tweets. Exactly. <laughs> He's like, man, I'm so old school. <laughs> Older is better. At Walt, ha 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 ha. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Well, talking about old school. Looks like uh, old school universities are taking new technology to distribute their courses. Yeah, I was—I believe this has been happening for a while, but now Yale has put a number of their courses, complete courses, on iTunes U, so you can download them for free, or as far as, at least most of the universities are for free. I believe this one is too, and basically take the same classes that they're teaching at Yale like a biomedical engineering class or history of a psychology um, and all kinds of different classes online through iTunes. Crazy. I feel like awesome. I mean, it's great (laughs) that you can get it for free, right? Like, that's awesome. But, like, I don't know. Again, like, isn't the majesty of class, like, Meeting with your friends and right. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, but like seriously though, game theory, a class on game theory where you just wanna like you know, you don't wanna pay for Yale level prices, right? You just wanna get 
ideas and information. And it's awesome that they're actually taking steps to be somewhat more open. And, you know, it's an Ivy League school. And granted, you can't put, like, graduated from iTunes U on my <laughs> resume. But, like, right. you know, it's, it's cool enough. It'd be cool if a community college picked this up and just you, know, you register for class and you show up and they start playing the the podcast. <laughs> and they're like, you know, yell education at uh, community college prices. Actually, there is something similar. We've talked about it on the show before. Um, yep. University yep. of the People, which I actually got accepted yep. to this morning. Ooh, congratulations. <laughs> ah, congrats, Thank dude. you. But basically, they're taking all of these um, classes that are online that have been put on from schools like MIT and stuff, and basically turning using those into their own curriculum and basically making their own school around it. That's hilarious. Yeah, I I figured well, it's the cheapest way for me to get a bachelor's degree in computer science, so I might as well get. That's a, so hack. Uh, like they're like they're like hacking everyone else's all like knowledge together into like one compendium. It's kind of crazy. Well, that's one problem, though. It, they could, you could have all your books on your Kindle. They'll take it away, and uh, <laughs> Yale can say, "Hey, you know, we don't want the, the rights Indeed. of this out anymore," and like take it off the iTunes store. I mean, uh, at least you can download it as an MP3, though. That's not going yeah. anywhere. So. Yeah, at least you can lock that up. But you would, you wouldn't be able to. Then you have to, you know, try to download it using uh, using Kazaa, and then you have to pay for it again. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Uh. Yeah, well, this is kind of the way I think. It almost makes me wonder how valuable university degrees are anymore, because if they're putting these courses online or doing things like I'm doing through University of the People, it makes you kind of wonder why do you have to pay all this much, and can you well, not get the experience doing something through iTunes U yeah. that you can? You don't. You don't pay class? for the education. You pay for the paper. Well, and I think you pay for like the networking to some extent. Like I don't I think you can yeah. buy the paper Most cheaper the through an illegitimate place on the internet. I can give you links to that, but I probably won't put those in the show notes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I feel like when I go to college, the the biggest connections I made were not anything to do with anything I learned. Like it was great that I learned like communication and how to write, and like you know, I learned more though in my first job in the first six months than I did for like two years of proper writing classes, right? Like you just, you pick up a lot more on the job quickly. But at the same time, like I have friends who, like I've hooked up with jobs and who've hooked up me with jobs. And that's the real thing that you get out of college, right? Like you're getting, people who go to Harvard are getting like, you know, business contacts that will last them a lifetime. Like you pay like 25 grand or how 50 grand or however much Harvard is per year. The real thing you're getting there is like A-level people in your field. It's not for like the education quality because like, you know, I'd rather go to iTunes U and read Yale or do Yale online than like, you know, waste my time listening to some jerk teacher like lecture me on something that's like five years old. So, I I think school is just so weird. Anyway, like I've said it for years. I just think that the whole system is just so strange, but I don't know, maybe. Yeah, like you're paying, you pay all this money and like, you know, how much utility is there really in it? And it's been going up in price over the last 20 years, like way more than inflation and how much are people really getting out of it? There's going to be like a lot of stuff like, you know, Jeremy, like you're saying, there's going to be a lot of these other like market opportunities that spring up that people are going to look at and say like, well, you know, is this really giving me what I need? So 
Yeah. I think schools or university would be a lot better if they had customer service numbers. <laughs> you just call up. It's like, yeah, uh, I went to class today, and I didn't get exactly what I paid for. Uh, <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. That you know that would actually be really really cool. Yeah, I would have liked that when I got bounced out of school last time. <laughs> like. <laughs> I didn't fail. You failed me. Yeah, yeah exactly. that was exactly my point. But they wouldn't Try being listen to not me. a crappy school. Yeah, yeah. exactly. That's because it's not. They don't care, and they're in for the money, and you have to pay for it. It's their system, and the deck is stacked against you. I I agree with Walt. Schools suck. I wish we had more respect for uh, for trade schools because I think trade schools is the way to go. Work in what you want to do, and then get a certificate. I think you should be good. Yeah. Well, when I was doing school, and I'm not going to... Well, maybe I... Well, I don't think I'll mention the university name, just because things are... Keep it classy. Yeah. <laughs> if you... Keep it classy. School sucks! Yeah. Yeah. No, just, no, just like... If like you want to know the whole circumstance, I believe I posted about it on my blog, PCNerd37.com, at one point or another. But when I got bounced out of there, I basically came out of there... After ten months being, I don't know, close to thirty thousand dollars in debt, nothing to show for it other than what little I had learned, and there was nothing I could do about it, and that and that was two years ago, and I haven't really done a whole lot since then. But that's like, I mean, you figure like that's that's why things like this Yale iTunes U thing are so great because it's you exactly. know, if you're if you're a person X and you're not like into, I mean. I would I would appreciate just being able to take the classes that I care about and not having to like you know show up to classes I just don't care about at all. So you know using taking advantage of these online you know open courseware whatever you want to call it is pretty interesting. Yeah, that's what I've come to be a real big fan of. I know I've heard of I think it was a professor at BYU that said the way that traditional colleges are now is going to be dead in ten years or whatever, and this is kind of the way that things are going so i'm yeah it's definitely possible yeah, by doing this university of the people i'm kind of like on the early curve of that which i like being an early <laughs> adopter yeah there you go early adopter in education doesn't happen often. yeah i'll just say this once though i wish it wasn't on itunes and i wish they just published an rss feed so that way i can get it with any yeah like the mit or... like the mit thing yeah, yeah, that, that's the way I'd prefer it. But now that I mainly just use an iPod because I don't use my Zoom that much anymore, I don't care as much. Tear. Yeah, exactly. I'll take it. All right, moving yeah. on. Uh, <laughs> you can sell that Zoom that you don't use on eBay uh, because uh, eBay drops listing fees for the first five items every month. This is some- wow. This is something that eBay has really needed to do for a long time. I mean eBay is just kind of a shadow of their former selves, and especially in the world of list. And if this is something that they think is going to get them to bring more people back to Facebook that aren't scammers, I mean, back to eBay that aren't scammers, then this is what they need to do. I think it's funny. I think that eBay's new business model is like, let's just screw with everything until something works. Like, they <laughs> haven't really created any value of note in the last 10 years ever since Beanie Baby stopped trading. I think mm-hmm. that they they really aren't focused on innovation and it shows. Like they've done things like change the way their feedback structure works and they're doing all these really insular like lame 
like shaky attempts at creating, you know, customer value or whatever they're like synergizing the future forward or however they want to like talk about it in their business speak, but they haven't really done anything interesting. Like what if eBay, instead of trying to like drop listing fees for five items, what if they instead decided, decided to like, you know, take Craigslist listings and augment them, you know, like create a new business model on top of Craigslist and like, you know, you say, you know, you want to list your apartment. Well, we will make it so you can put down the address and photos and create a standardized format or whatever, you know, like create a new interesting thing instead of just trying to innovate on this like 10 year old shell of a formal self company, just kind of like they should try something new. Well, they've got (laughs) other brands that they're kind of work with. They have rent.com for like renting apartments and stuff like that. But as far as trying to build something on top of Craigslist, Craigslist doesn't seem to care too much for that. Cause I know, uh, Dvorak's son had some kind of a service where you can look at things for mm-hmm. multiple locations at once, and they killed that too. And and I know yeah. and I've heard. Well, I mean, even if it's like not on top of, even if it's not Craig, I mean that was just an example that I've been kind of thinking about as I've like been apartment searching in New York, frustratingly. Like, it's you know, there's other things they could do that are not like let's screw with eBay continuously, mm-hmm. like keep adjusting our sales figures and whatever they want to think that they're doing that's like generating business like they should actually just like create interesting things and stop focusing on like the same thing they've done for the last 10 years or they can just work on their service and make it work do a search on anything in on ebay and it's going to take several pages to get to what you actually want type in iphone and you get iphone cases cases, cases yeah it's just like it's it's just crap and it's, ooh, screen protectors. I want an iPhone. Where do I find that? And you have to dig through it unless you see one of their, like, you're a feature. What are those featured? Uh, yeah, there's, like, featured items or whatever. And it's always, like, twice as expensive as the the next thing below it. It's, their, their, their system is just foobarb, and they just need a, they just need a reboot. Yeah, well, I think that's part of the problem. Another part of the problem is they tend to get all these cheap knockoff things from China and Taiwan and everything that pat, try and pass themselves off as the legitimate thing, and they just go through and flood eBay with them. I'm, the main experience I have with that is memory sticks, because I always buy memory sticks for my PSP, and there are times when I've gotten them, had them imported from China or whatever, and once in a while they're le- the legitimate thing. Other times they're not the legitimate thing, and right. yeah, I paid a third the price for them, but when they stop now counting shipping because shipping's like 50 bucks no, even then yeah i mean but that's the thing though like they these things where you're saying are like the key right the key is not like make ebay cheaper or whatever it's to like be more make interesting it make it work make it work properly make fix the things that are broken like don't just drop listing fees <laughs> you know like no one i don't think anyone was whining about like having to pay a percentage of their you know, item to eBay because, like, that's eBay's business model. That's what you expect. Like, instead, they could just like fix the things that you expect that don't work. You know. So. Well, like, I have a question as as a marketer. Like, you know, there's this sense that I get of you know, you know, so many people. I have a bunch of friends who work in ad, ad digital agencies here in New York, and they're really constantly frustrated by. They keep telling me the same thing over and over. They have to shine. Put a shine on crap, basically, right? Like, how how do you think you know people, uh, marketers, and 
should they be more involved from like a product's conception? And like, if eBay's trying to change themselves, like, how do you think that they should be involved? You know? Uh, well, I always look at like the idea of how I think Etsy's kind of grown. I mean, Etsy's one of my favorite sites on the internet. Do you know what I'm talking about or no? Etsy? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, awesome. Like, I think that of all of all the sites who have done it right, I think that Etsy is one of the ones that, that have done it right. Um, so, like, so it, what are the what, elements? Like, so, what? Well, I mean, you have to look at the elements of what Etsy's done, and then look at the elements of what eBay is not doing. I mean, eBay. I think that the secret to the internet, and I, I think it's strictly the yeah. You know, I mean, obviously, it's it can be a lot of things, but. Um, but that, like, but that all, but that the secret to the internet is niche marketing. So what Etsy did is, um, is that they got mad where, well, the guy started trying to sell his artwork on eBay and then he couldn't do it. Like, it was difficult to try and find his target audience. So the thing is, like, one day, like, he was like, why is my painting being sold next to, like, a toilet bowl that was, you know, yeah, yeah, that's totally. like, used you know and he's like and like he was actually like offended by it so he came out with this thing where it was just like just homemade arts and crafts and so i think that when you go to ebay whereas like it's everything i mean it's guitars it's toilet seats it's paint it's, it's crappy know, memory sticks totally it's you know it's famous people's autographs it's you know it's used books it's like it's kind of became like this, like the Swiss Army knife, and no one wants that. No one well, wants that. And maybe, like, like, like you guys are both saying, maybe if they tighten things up, you know, Etsy's obviously got a lock now on like fine art made by artists for people who appreciate art. But like, if you still get things like, you know, cell phone importers, like I'm always hearing, you know, from nerds who are like, you know, I want to import a Nokia N97 or an HTC Hero or like whatever they're, those crazy like nerd phones are, like. What if they just set up a storefront and created a really slick interface for like getting to exactly what you're looking for, you know, or like I don't know things like that instead of instead of just like dropping listing fees or whatever. I don't know. Totally, and you know, but it's like I mean, you I mean, you can say that about anything. It's like I say the same thing about podcasts. Is like that if you love socks, right? Like that if you love pink socks, why is there like just start a podcast called Pink Socks Podcast? There's eight billion people in the world. If you tap into one tenth of one tenth of one percent of those people, that is a huge friggin' audience. And I don't know why no one's like that. Like, why well, the is there no? Is, like with so, with podcasting and things like that, I think it's a little bit more difficult because you have to like still get an audience to really be able to do it. I mean, it's one thing if you're just like making podcasts just for fun, but like if you're trying to like you know be a business, it's hard to really like tap into those niche audiences with advertisers, right? Like that's kind of the difficult part. But eBay doesn't have that problem. They're a retailer. Like they can retail pink socks till they're blue in the face. Like create the ultimate pink socks marketplace, and maybe you even involve the community in that, right? Like get the community involved and find like the person who wants to do the pink the pink socks podcast. Get them on board. Have them run the storefront and kind of manage the community. Like I mean, I think that's something they can totally do to like fix the problem. So right, and that's what and that's what uh, that's what. Um, that's what um, Etsy. What's his face? Yeah. So that's what they did, and like that they took on like their people that actually were helping them out grow their community. They took them on, and they kind of like uh, you know like took them on as like one of their own. Like they helped grow the yeah. entire business. So, but I mean, every business, whether it's eBay who has 
millions of people now or a small company like me where I have only a couple thousand, um, is that it all starts from like a homegrown audience. Well, you know? the, the problem is eBay's public now. And whenever you go public, you're expected to grow no matter <laughs> what. And you get wussy. You turn into like a brainless company. That's exactly. My, you're my like, what can I do to get bigger? What can I do to get bigger? I don't care. Yeah. Let's get bigger. And so you, you, get, you start going away from the sustainable growth model to the insanely I need to grow model. And then when you get into the dregs like eBay is, they try, they just try to please their shareholders and keep them at bay. Yeah, pardon the pun. And <laughs> I see what you did there. <laughs> and so I think I agree with you all. The best way is to find out who is your core audience and tailor what you do to them. But you, can't, you have limited growth in that capacity. I understand what you said, one-tenth of one-tenth of one percent. But eBay is looking for that whole one percent, if not I two. know. And so that's yeah. their problem, and it just doesn't work that way. I say well, the only it could. Only way that I mean, that's could, the thing. If they were, if they were less scared of a company and less like willing to just accept what's going on, it would be a lot more interesting for them yeah. because they probably would feel like you know they would feel more inclined to go after the long tail. They would feel they more. They don't inclined. listen. They, yeah. They're not listening. Like I'm looking at their Twitter page. They have 54 updates. Yeah. They're not embracing the space that they're in. Exactly. It's pretty ironic, right? Yeah. Uh, I think if they could go as niche as they possibly could, I mean, they've got all these different categories for different products. They've got their cars, you've got your um, computers, you've got your gaming stuff. If you break those out into each individual sites instead of just different categories... And make them useful. Yeah, and make them useful, <laughs> yeah, build the whole thing like, around it, thing. Like, then I think I'm, you've got something. If I'm searching for phones, if I'm searching for phones, like I'm not generally searching for screen protectors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As a general rule, like I'm not I'm looking for phones. And like, you know, there's one of those things in every category, I'm sure. Like in cars, like if I'm searching for a rear view mirror, I'm not searching for like fuzzy dice. I'm searching for like a rear view mirror that is broken, you know, whatever. So You anyway. search for broken rear view mirrors? All the time, man. It's, it's I thought bane, I, I, it's I thought I was the only one. <laughs> You know? Dude, I, I own rearviewmirrors.info. You do not believe <laughs> It's really like my closet hobby. And I'm about to I think I'm gonna break some news right here on the Global Geek News podcast. I'm gonna i I'm gonna start the Rearview Mirrors podcast starting today. So I'm I'm glad we got that up. <laughs> so the two guys who are in New York are talking about cars. Exactly. <laughs> I have a, actually not that's the funny part. I'm the I'm the one guy in New York who has a car. So that isn't oh, and you happening. gotta get up and move it every morning, or what? No, no, I, we have a garage. We're baller. Oh. Like, oh wow, I'm just so kidding. that's where all the money's going. <laughs> yeah, you forget. <laughs> and you do live in that car, is what you're saying, also. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and by garage, I mean the freeway. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, I wasn't even paying attention to the time. We're running a little long for this show, but that's all right. I'm glad you're having fun. Yeah, we still got one story to go anyway. Uh, iTunes 8.2.1 breaks the much-advertised Palm pre-syncing feature. Uh-huh. Yeah. So this is coming oh. full circle. You can't get your your uh, your your Yale stories on your pre anymore, so you're going to fill your class. It sucks. <laughs> and then they're yeah, going to take... You know what? The Palm's going to come out with an update in a week. And what it's going to be a cat and mouse game. Apple's not going to keep on coming out with with updates every week, but Palm will. Mm-hmm. You know, 
that's what I think. Well, stuff like this always turns into the a cat and mouse game. I mean, with the PSP, which I've got two of, both of which are sitting no more than three feet from me, um, whenever Sony comes out with a new firmware f- or whatever for it, usually within a day, maybe two, they've already come out with... They've already, like, dumped the firmware. They've, they're starting on work for custom firmware, integrating all the new features and everything. That's where, no matter how many times Sony tries to patch things, the hackers turn around within a week and undo everything they just did. And it's just one big cat-and-mouse game that's gone on for, what is it, two or three years now. And this is just the same well, the, thing. The real big difference here, though, is, like, there's so much bad blood between Palm and Apple, it's, like, ridiculous, right? So John Rubenstein is the guy who's the CEO of Palm, mm-hmm. and he actually used to run the iPod and Mac divisions at Apple. Like, he was brought over from, I think he was brought over from the next days. I'm not 100% sure if he was at Next or somewhere else. But, you know, he kind of came in in Steve Jobs' second wind, right? So, like, 1998, 1999, John Rubenstein joins the company, and he runs, like, iPod and Mac, right? Like the two most important divisions at Apple. And then Elevation Partners, which also like Bono is like a co-owner of, uh, they actually bought out a lot of the rights to Palm. And, um, you know, then they were able to lure John Rubenstein away from Apple. And now Steve Jobs is not like, keep in mind, that guy is like a tiger, right? Like he goes crazy. He and John are fighting about this. And, you know, behind the scenes, there's all this, like, drama going on. But in front of the scenes, the public just sees, like, oh, look, the Palm Pre sinks. Like, mm-hmm. how weird that the iPod guy actually made it sync with iTunes. That's really odd. <laughs> and then Apple's like, oh, well, I'm going to break it now because I hate John Rubenstein. Like, it's, you know, he's just being such a douchebag, right? Like, I hate, I can't stand him. And then, you know, <laughs> so really, like, the cat and mouse game is not just this iTunes compatibility thing. This iTunes compatibility thing it's like a metaphor for everything that's happening between Apple and Palm right now. Like, there's so much bad blood between these two companies that it's going to be really entertaining to watch. And Apple keeps ratcheting up the rhetoric too. Like they're they keep saying like you know we're gonna you know if they're if our intellectual property is stolen like we're gonna have recourse and like you know they keep like targeting Palm with all this like nasty legal talk. Meanwhile, well, I th- like I th- they haven't done anything right. Like, I, 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 I think it is a little licensing and legal legalese because when Apple uh, buys the rights for music or or their whole library and catalog. It, it I mean, those agreements are pretty tight, saying we uh, have the right to distribute your software to our software and to our devices. And this kind of is something that could jeopardize that a little bit. Uh, I'm not going to say you're not right. I'm just going to say it's probably a little bit of both. Well, it's it's sketchy because like. Normally, like, these cat and mouse games are, like, anonymous hackers, right? Like, mm-hmm. miscellaneous dudes who just hate the idea of DRM, so they, like, hack the crap out of it and, like, break it. But this is, like, Palm, like, a public company with a history and shareholders and accountability. And they're breaking Apple's software. Like, that's where it gets kind of weird. Like, mm-hmm. I think this is a really weird situation. And I think that, like, you know, I think... For us, we're just kind of like regular people who don't give a crap about any of this insider stuff. We're just kind of like, oh, well, like, now I can't sink my palm. This sucks. But, like, yeah. it's really, like, there's so much to this story that I think, legally speaking, like, 
Palm is being kind of crazy and reckless. And if they if they perpetuate this cat and mouse game, it's going to get really weird for the company really fast. But I, I think this is good for Palm. I mean, we're talking about Palm. They're getting free advertising. Yeah, they're and great. I think in, I think in this situation, they look like the good guy and Apple looks like the bad guy. So I think it's right. totally worth it. I agree with you there. But yeah. if you've ever used the Palm Pre, the, the phone sucks, so they can uh, sync as much as they want. I don't oh, think it sucks. Oh, re- oh, really? Oh, man. I mean, I it's, it's like, like people who like app stores obviously like the Palm Pre, and people who like... I mean, the iPhone interface is great, and I think it syncs well with Mac, and it syncs well with PC, and it syncs well with all this stuff. But like... I find that I really enjoy the way the Palm Pre interface works, and I like multitasking. And even though you can only multitask to a point, I think that it's going to get, as the like the ecosystem becomes more mature, I think it's going to keep being a more interesting device. Like, my wife and I were talking about this today, and she's like, what phone should I get? I'm like, well, you don't really care about, like, 65,000 apps, so yeah, go get the Palm Pre. But, like, if you're into the apps and you're into, like, the, you know, you have a ton of iTunes music or... You know, DRM to iTunes music. Like the iPhone is obviously the way to go. So, yeah. I don't know. What, what's your beef with the Pre? Uh, I just don't like um, QWERTY keyboards, and I think that 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 the that the Pre sa- um, sounds feels like a clamshell, like that. It like it, like that. It, it's just so tiny. The screen. Yeah, I, don't know. I can definitely it's understand. Really like some people, screen. if you're into, like I'm totally, and my wife's totally into keyboards too. Like we're really tactility is a big deal right but like a lot of people just prefer that keyboardless bigger screen iphone experience and i think that that's like totally a valid thing but i think it's like different strokes you know different strokes for different folks so but you know i mean but the but the same people who like the pre for the full qwerty are the same are the same people who like the g1 for the full qwerty but the g1 is like i don't know i mean the g1 we have it's not it's it's not clean the G1 yeah. still needs some polishing. Needs yeah, some the finishing. G1's like the G1's like everything that I wanted, like Windows Mobile to be a couple of years ago. So it's not bad. It's just not like, like the G1 ha- does nothing for me. It's like good enough, but the Pre is actually like stunning to me. Like it's kind of impressive, and then the iPhone's like you know obviously amazing, but it's the first one, so it gets to be that way. You know, so well, at least with yeah. Well, like isn't the G1 like, isn't Google uh, Google coming out with their own operating system now? So, like, won't they adapt that yeah, for so, the G1? So, Android, yeah. Android is out for, like, anyone who wants to use it. It's open source. And then there's an official, like, Google-branded version, which is, like, the G1. And now there's a new phone out called the MyTouch 3G, which is from T-Mobile also. And it's a keyboardless version of the G1, basically, a little bit faster. But that Google-Android operating system is going to get, like... Like, it could get really cool in a couple of years, but it's not cool right now. So it's like, you know, nothing oh, well, right home. Well, were you talking about the Chrome OS, that, that news that broke a few weeks yeah. ago? Ooh, oh, yeah. Chrome OS. Yeah, Chrome OS is just ridiculous. But yeah. it's like almost like a whole other podcast. Like, yeah. Either way, I'm glad we all have choices. Uh, yeah. I, I think competition, this this story just shows it's just going to work out for the best of us. And, and, and hopefully this feud will um, spur more competition between Apple and Palm and make better devices. And more drama. I'm always up yeah. to the drama. Yeah, I'm sitting back and watching <laughs> as well. Yeah, I, I think Palm has a lot to do with their 
SDK before they can be real competition to both the iPhone or Android. So, I mean, the past couple of days there's been stories going around now that Palm has released their SDK that people, especially if you're looking to develop games and stuff, you can't do it, or at least you can't do anything maybe other than, like, Pong, because you don't really have direct access to the hardware. You can't take advantage of all the hardware features that the Pre has or any um, Palm WebOS phone that comes out in the future. And that, I think that's something where Android and the iPhone really excel at is that you can get access to everything and you can do pretty much anything that the physical hardware hardware will allow you to do. Well, what kind of like in do you remember like year one of the iPhone? Like how crappy that was? Yeah. <laughs> how you, you had to like jailbreak your phone if you wanted anything cool and you had to like use web apps otherwise. We're like that era of the Palm Pre. Like the Palm Pre is not awful and it's not bad. It's actually great. Like I think it's a really great alternative to the iPhone. But like it's like two months old. Like it's been out for two months. The SDK is coming out. It's not even like officially out yet. And like, you know, I think that people kind of need to give WebOS a shot. And, you know, in six months, I guarantee the game situation will be fixed just because they have to. Like, if they don't, they'll lose. And I think that, like, they're smart and they'll realize that. But, like, you know, right now, totally not perfect. But, like, give it a shot, Mm -hmm. you know? Well, I agree they're smart, but I think they're cash-strapped and limited resources, and so that they're being laser-focused at this point, and they're trying to get things off their plate one by one. And I think that's where the, the bottleneck is. And hopefully since their launch is out, maybe we can start seeing some cool things. And, and, and I think the one thing is when you start sitting on an SDK for developers to develop apps, you need to start supporting them. And I think that's probably what's holding them back with the SDK is one is the, the, um, I bet they threw the code is they're still working on web OS and make it sure it's really stable. Cause I think people are still having problems. And the other part is supporting the developers to make sure that, um, they do it right. Yeah. I think we may have just lost Randall. I think, I don't know. Are you there Randall? Uh, let's see if we can get him called back in here. I don't know if, Skype is acting, oh. acting weird. First it said you were away. Then it said Randall got cut off. I, I don't know what's going on. It, is Walt Walt still there? Nope, I'm not here anymore. <laughs> uh, okay, all right. I got well, cut it's, off. It's just us two. Uh, maybe we should just call it a show. <laughs> yeah, I think we should probably do that because I don't seem to be getting any response back from when I'm calling, when I'm calling Randall back. So... And I seem to keep getting tongue-tied tonight. I don't know why. Anyway, uh, yeah, that's pretty much our show. One thing I do want to mention, like I said, I had, do have an announcement for the Global Geek News blog. I got the domain globalgeeknewsblog.com, so you don't have to go to globalgeeknews.com slash blog anymore. I don't have it set up yet. I'm working on it. I am having issues with the it redirecting to the old site and basically if anybody has any experience with moving a WordPress install from one uh, directory to another domain or whatever and getting it to work properly properly please let me know I am kind of lost here I'm not real sure what I'm doing so yeah I'm not I just need help um, 
anyway, hopefully, maybe by the end of the week, I'll get that all straightened out. But whoa! Ooh, what was that? Okay. I have no idea. I. <laughs> it sounded like a toilet flushing, though. Yeah. Yeah, I think Randall's back. Yeah, I'm back. It's the, it's, the, it's the set of tubes. Yeah, exactly. yeah, I think the tubes are getting a little clogged I just, here. I just got flushed down the toilet. Is what happened? <laughs> yeah, I was we just lost you there. I just happened to look. It's like he hung up. <laughs> yeah, my uh, my internet happened to die. So yeah, yeah you're not the only one who's had issues with that. Last week, our modem got struck by lightning out at work, and I had to replace that. That wasn't. Oh, yeah, that that wasn't very fun. At least it didn't knock out any of the computers or anything. So that's a good thing. But anyway. So you're back in time to pimp yourself, Randall. Hey, perfect time. So techv.com is the website. Uh, if you listen this far, you're going to love the shows that you can watch over TechV. So they're like five minutes. They're the opposite of this length. But hey, it'll be good stuff. So check it out. Techv.com. Uh, we do shows every day. Jeremy's a writer, and he's amazing. Check it out, TechV. Love you, bye. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, there, there's a bunch of great guys that are contributors to there. I, it's probably the best group of guys I've ever worked with. That's right. Woohoo! Yeah, <laughs> always some fresh stuff there. Even if there isn't any on the Global Geek News blog, you can always go there. I'm usually writing there anyway, so <laughs> I prefer to actually write there more than I do my own blog, which I don't know why that is. It's because we're awesome. That's why. It's just the awesomeness factor just increases by a little bit more each day, and it just becomes more awesome. So. All right, and it- if you have a face for radio, uh, hey. or if you have a if you have a voice for blogging, you should blog over there at TechBee. Yeah, send me an email if you've listened to this. Send me an email, uh, Randall at TechBee.com. R A N D A L L at TechBee.com. Come work for us, even though it's no pay. I promise it's a blast. So. Yeah, it is a lot of fun, and people can also follow you on Twitter at Randall B. Right. Correct. Right. And Walt. Walt is the internet music teacher at waltribero.net, correct? Yeah, that's it, man. And you are Walt Ribeiro on Twitter, right? I am. My brand is Walt Ribeiro, so I'm literally Walt Ribeiro on every place in the entire world. Twitter, <laughs> Facebook, YouTube, Ustream, Skype, it's all Walt Ribeiro. So yeah, don't break the brand. Yeah. <laughs> it's not hard. It's not a hard thing to find you as long as people spell your name right. Uh, you know, you, I mean, it's funny that you actually mentioned that. You can even spell my name wrong, whether it's in Google or Twitter or YouTube or anything, and I'll still show. You know, it'll say like, "Do you mean Walt Ribeiro?" You know what I mean? Like as if, you know. But um, so yeah, I, like I'm I'm generally pretty you know pretty easy. I um. I teach music, I write orchestra music, and I uh, do like consulting and stuff. So that's all. I mean, if you need me for those services, give me a holla. Yeah, I might Ooh. have to see about getting you to do a theme song for the show or something. It's been a while since I've even used any <laughs> of your music on the podcast. I found another song that I've been really liking lately. But Ooh, this. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> He's like, yeah, you know, I was listening to your music, and then I found a song that I really like. Yeah, exactly. I found one that didn't suck, so you probably do a little bit better next time. Oh, dude, Randall, I can actually see what you look like now. Okay, oh, dude, I feel like that. Like, I know you now. Okay, cool. <laughs> nice. No, Randall shot out um, 
a status update on Twitter, and uh, I just got it now, and um, I, I I see what he looks like. Like, like I feel like I like hung out with the guy. Like I drinks with him, so this is good. Well, you actually live in the same city, so you can. Yeah, we're in the same city now. So there you go. Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah, just don't tell people where I live. Then I'll, I'll be cool with that. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure Walt's got plenty yeah. of stalkers as it is. No. Groupies. You know musicians. Groupies, dude. Yeah, groupies. <laughs> My people are awesome. It's orchestra groupies, right? Yeah, exactly. Lady Gaga fans. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Maybe getting more people like me. I've gotten to the point where I mostly listen to orchestra type music, that and like symphonic metal and stuff like that. Basically, almost anything I listen to anymore has to have some kind of an orchestra in it. Get oh, some cool. Strings. Okay. Get some strings in there. Yeah. Just made, just made my day, bro. Yeah. Auto tuner. <laughs> <laughs> Auto tune the strings. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway, it has been a great show. This. Is I think we might have to start doing four people on the show more often. This turned out a whole lot better than I kind of expected. So, anyway, <laughs> everybody can check out the show notes at globalgeeknews.com. This is episode 31, if you need a little bit of help trying to find it. Um, that's pretty much all we have for this week. Don't forget to check back next week for another show. We'll see you guys later. Later. Peace. <laughs>